You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Annie was on a roll. I was just about ready just to say, take it. <laughs> I was like, you might as well. Um, yeah, you know what's funny is, is sometimes I get the, I realized today was my, um, I think this is the third time I've been up speaking. Um, John tries to limit it as much as possible. I don't blame him. Um, he's shaking his head. Don't do this. Yeah. Um, no, it's, uh, yeah, here he goes. Um, <laughs> um, it, it's actually not one of my, my gifts. It's not one of my strengths um, is, is teaching. Um, even though I have to do it quite often, it's not one of my strengths. And if you guys have ever heard John, you know, it's pretty obvious he's gifted with that gift of teaching. And same with Annie. If you have heard her, she's pretty amazing. She has that same gifting. But sometimes I get um, these weird moments uh, where God says, okay, this is something I have. I want you to share it in a different perspective. And that's what uh, today's about. Now, I have had an interesting experience with this message. Um, I've spent the better part of two months processing this one through my head. And I think I've rewritten it four times in the last four days. Um, and, and it's not an easy one. I, about two months ago, I have this bad habit of waking up really not, well, Duncan's like, yeah, normal time, 3 a.m. Um, I'm up, I'm wide awake, I'm just sitting there and pretending like I'm going to go back to sleep and I know I'm not. And, and God just starts speaking to me usually. And I was starting to process stuff and pray. And, and this thought came to me and it was like, what would you give to the church? What would be the thing you would say to them if it was the last time you got to say something? And I was just like, well, that's weird. It's not really in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm on the move so much that I never know when the last time I'm going to be anywhere is. But I thought about that message a bit, and I was like, okay, what would it be I would leave the church? If I had anything I could try to impart, if it's something the Holy Spirit has taught me or put on my heart, what would it be? And luckily, somebody else had to struggle with this in their life. Um, his name was Jesus. He had this issue where he had to leave his best friends and his home and everything behind. Yeah, by the way, earth was his home. He was a man too, remember? So he had to leave it all behind. He had the same emotions, same issues of having to walk away and trust. That's, that, you got to think, this is God too. But you got to realize that he too was, I can't imagine. Notice how he went back and hung out with his friends after he was resurrected. That, that's probably the greatest story in the Bible for me, by the way. I, I was, when I read the Bible, I'm not sure about you guys, it's hard for me to relate sometimes to Jesus. Um, it, when somebody's perfect, it's really hard for me to relate to. I'm like, you never make a mistake, man. What is up with this? It's hard. It's hard to relate to him sometimes. The one point in the Bible I relate the most, Jesus came down and had breakfast with his friends. I don't know why. But to me, that was just like, it was this groundbreaking when I read that the first time. He's real. He actually, there's this man that loves me and wants to spend time with me and hang out with me, just like his friends. And those were moments when I was like, okay, this guy had the same issues. He had to leave. He had to go away in order for the rest to happen. He knew there was a plan. But he went back and he gave some instructions. Not a lot, by the way. If you ever read those chapters, there wasn't a lot, you know? The Peter, I wonder what Peter was just like, what? 
You know, what, what does he say? He goes, I'm going to make you the rock I build the church on. Okay, thanks. What was that? You know what I mean? I was like, I was kind of hoping for more, buddy, like a, a life plan, a goal. You know, how am I going to make this? Nothing, just a simple, this is it. And he also forgave him, which is something even bigger as a friend, I think. But I read those chapters and I was like so confused and I, I love them, but I'm always like, okay, Jesus, you had the same issue. What do you leave behind if you're going to go? What would be the one thing that you would tell the church? Today, we're going to ask a lot of questions. I got some verses. I have to. John will be upset if I don't, which I'm, I would be upset with myself if I didn't at least tie the Bible into this one. Um, but I, what I want today is I'm actually asking for soft hearts. A time to reflect and question hard about your own life. I personally believe that we have become way too comfortable in our faith. In North America, we have made it way too comfortable. Um, and it's hard. It's hard for us to move forward when we become comfortable in something. And it's hard for God to move us, by the way. Because it's us, not God, by the way, making it comfortable. Um, we conform Jesus to fit what we want him to be. We don't like parts of the Bible, so we don't like to talk about them. You know, we like the loved ones, don't we? God loves us. God loves us. We, those are our favorite ones. Um, and it's true, by the way. He does love us. That's not a lie. But we forget some of the other parts, that there's consequences for things we do. There's also requirements by the way, did you understand that when you became a believer that there's actually something we have to do? Do you know there's commandments in the New Testament? Anybody ever think of that? Not the Ten Commandments. Commandments. Jesus left stuff behind. If you read the book, it's very, very clear. You could probably pick out most of them if you started at it. Actually, there's 200 and some, by the way. <laughs> some of them are repeats, but there's 200. There's actually 50 commandments he left us in the New Testament. We don't really think about those, do we? I think today what I wanted to really focus on was, I had four topics, couldn't get my head around any of them. I'm like, okay, God, why? Because there are, there are four things that I would want the church to understand about God and their own walks and how it relates. One was faith and finances, um, which has driven my life a lot lately again. Um, another one would be the cost of discipleship. Um, another one was be making Jesus Lord. What does that actually mean? Another one is worldview. Now that one just seems sort of odd out of all those, but it ties them all together actually. And the reason I chose to speak on this one is because I think we're in a point in time in this country, um, actually I think in the world, where we have to be careful what the church stands for. And what we are. And understanding our own worldview is very important. Because, we'll get into it a little bit more, but we have a tendency to think of an earthly worldview. We forget that our worldview should have changed. It should have come to a different revelation once we were born again. You know, I was, I, I've, been, I've been walking through with, uh, uh, with a, a baptism 
um, somebody who wants to be baptized, and I was reading some scriptures and doing some stuff, and, and it was funny. I feel like I'm way behind in people. Like, sometimes I think my knowledge is, like, non-existence. And I was reading this thing about, you know, that baptism is like circumcision. And then I read some book the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, it's almost like baptism was the replacement of it. Where it's like the baptism symbolized that you were the new chosen people, that you were part of this family. And I was like, that was like a revelation I've never even thought of before. I was like, this is amazing, God. Why is this so cool? Because that's what my worldview should be. I should be thinking on a different plane, a different way than what the rest of the world does. Now, there's a problem with that. You're born American. You're influenced by your culture and what is around you. You can't change that. Uh, uh, by the way, and I, I'm, this is a safe place always, and this is what I always pray um, whenever I come in, is that God protects building and what's said and what goes through your hearts and minds, by the way, um, so that you can have an opportunity just to release and think and not um, worry about judgment or anybody else, uh, what they think. Uh, so I got a question. This one, nowadays, I just literally, this world is so politically charged and messed up that it's hard even talking about some of this stuff. I actually had to go to John. I told him, I said, I've struggled with this one. I said, I've had to really watch what I'm going to say because offense can be picked up quickly and that shuts the ears to what the Holy Spirit wants to say. And that was my whole prayer this morning was, don't let me stand in the way of what you want to do. Um, and that's always harder. I tend to stick my foot in my mouth a lot. So here we go again. Um, how many of you were not born in the U.S.? There's a few of us. How many of you... Uh, English is your second language, or third, or fourth. Okay, so there's four of us in here. That's pretty good, by the way. <laughs> I've had a lot of churches where I'm the only one like, oh, crumb. <laughs> and here we go, the outsider. It's weird is that for them, they're thinking at this in a completely different way. They don't think like Americans. I don't think like Americans. Ask John. There's times when we'll talk about stuff and John's just like, I don't get you. I'm like, it, it, it's true. Um, I've had to come, to, I agree with some things and other things I don't because my worldview is different. I've grown up in a different culture, a different way of thinking. Um, for instance, and this is something that I had to learn as, a, as working in a mission field that people didn't speak my language and having to learn it is how many of you that were born from another country actually dream in English yet? Do you dream in English? A little? Do you mostly... Do you? Oh, wow. Really? I'm impressed, buddy. I, it took me a long time to dream in English. Um, normally, I don't. It's not my first language. It's not the language I was born and raised with. So dreaming in it is, is foreign to me. And I remember the first time I, I dreamed in, a, in a, another language, other than English even, and it was just like, yes, I finally got the language down. Because it, it really means that you have understood it. And started to accept it. But when God speaks to me, he doesn't speak to me in English. Americans have a tendency to think, Jesus is an American. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it is how you think, right? Now, there's good and bad to that, right? Jesus did make America. He did make our culture. God did, sorry. Yeah, we're going to go that way. It's part of our culture. It is. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, 
I shouldn't say that. No, uh, one, one of the, yeah, one of the greatest pieces of advice my wife had ever given me. By the way, like, wives, like, we're talking about fathers today. Man, women, like, you guys can come up with the best things for your husbands. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, one of the greatest things she ever taught me was this. She said to me, and I was dealing in a culture trying to come to grips with their beliefs and what, and my beliefs and how they clashed and stuff. And she said, Justin, just because it's cultural doesn't make it right. Interesting. How many things in the church and West is culture and how much of it is God? It's hard. It's hard things to understand. And I still am struggle with worldview. Um, by the way, this is the first time I've ever taught these kind of concepts at a church. Why? It's not always the easiest thing to get around. Plus, it takes some time. And I know I don't have that much time. And I got Gary back there probably monitoring my time as usual. Uh, usually he's in the nursery, by the way, texting me. <laughs> oh, man, it's time to get off. Yeah. <laughs> Mistake of giving him my number. Um, <laughs> I think that worldview is, I teach it to a lot of missionaries who actually come off the field, believe it or not. Um, a lot of missionaries leave on the mission field because they can't reconcile their worldviews. It's really sad, and it's painful to watch the turmoil they go through, by the way. It's hard to reconcile that worldview. So, it's funny, is here in Gunnison, and I hear it all the time. I've talked to so many people around the church and around town and stuff, is the worldviews in Gunnison are quite funny, too. Because most people, how many people here are actually from Gunnison, were born here? Okay, we've got like one person, okay? <laughs> okay, so that, that just shows you that a lot of people, there's people from the West Coast, the East Coast, the North, the South part of the, you know, all merge in here. All of you are born and raised in a different culture. America has so many different cultures in itself and worldviews, you know, and they collide here. Like they do, Gunnison County, yeah, it can explode. Here's the funny thing about it is, as believers, why do we get in uh, issues with it? Why do we pick up offenses and start to argue with each other over it? Political reasons. I, I, I got this thing right now with politics. I vowed myself because I'm actually a person that I have to follow politics all over the world because I'm always having to travel and it, it, makes, it impacts me. What happens here impacts my life um, directly, physically sometimes. And I have to really watch what's happening all over the world. Um, and one thing I've, I just did in the last week, I said, okay, Justin, every hour that, that anything political that goes into your head, it's three hours. Uh, one, reading the Bible. Two is praying over whatever. And three is worshiping. So I have three hours. So I'm at one to four. I challenge the whole church this coming year to do that, especially. Because you're about to enter what I think is going to be a turmoil of just junk. And if you can focus on God, you're going to see an amazing thing happen in this nation. John said something three weeks ago that I am more than praying for. I believe it could happen, but I think we, we as a church need it. The only thing that will save this nation is revival. And that takes the body of Christ to be proactive in it. So, that's a job. I'm just going to, yeah. Worldview. Um, how do you guys see the world? Worldview is a set of lenses. It's like a glasses that you have to see the world around you. All right? You're just in this environment here. And this is how you see the world. 
Have you ever met somebody um, who's a very sheltered life, we call it? You know, we've got growing up on a farm, I was a sheltered kid, okay? Um, and then I remember, I'm not kidding you, I remember leaving um, when I was probably eight or nine and seeing my first African-American. I grew up in a very remote place. I, I'm, I'm not kidding, 19 people lived in our village, okay? So there's nobody outside of our, and I remember that and going, there's different colors? Huh? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, this is, that was like the revelation to me. It was like, What? You know, even though you kind of see it on TV, don't, you know, even as a kid, you just didn't really think it was real. I remember that and just how mind-blowing it was to me to think about that. And I was viewing my life through the set of lenses that I was in. I couldn't do anything about it. It's where God had placed me. I didn't choose my parents, you know. This is where God had put me. And I have to trust him, by the way, for that, why he, I, he has me here. I love when people question, I don't know why God has me here. Okay, whatever. Um, you kind of have to let go and say, okay, God, what can I do here? <laughs> you know, that's why I'm here. Um, worldview. It's a web of habits, by the way. Habits are good and habits are bad. There are definitely different ones. Habits form beliefs, right? They, they change us. They, they, um, they can be negative or positive. Um, one great habit is, is actually reading your Bible. Change your belief, doesn't it? Changes how you walk, what you say, what you do. Um, they also make sense of all your experiences that you've had. See, what happens in our lifetimes, we have to filter somehow. We've got to make sense of it, right? And without God, it's even worse. That's why you have so many messed up people on, on well, first off, why do you think addictions happen? I mean, if you look at the world, holy mackerel, how can you make sense of any of it? You know, and the hopelessness involved in some of this. Um, there is only one way, and that, of course, is through God to make it, um, to filter all this. But we take it and we take our experiences, our, our own experiences with God. We add to our way we see the world. Um, for instance, I, I guess one great case example is, is healings. Uh, some churches, you know, you'll go to a church and they don't, there's no, you don't hear about healings, you don't talk about it. And you'll go to another church and it's all about healings and, and what God's mercy and, and grace can be in the fulfillment of the promise of the Spirit. So your worldview, if you come from one of those churches, is that healings don't exist anymore. Your worldview from the other side is that they do and they're flourishing. Now, of course, um, truth has to come in there at some point. And be, but until you re- that truth is revealed, your worldview is going to be what you're taught or what you see. Um, human nature, all sorts of things. Knowledge, learning things at school, right? We all talk about public school nowadays. Everybody's like, oh, the school's so bad. You know, trust me, I've got kids. I understand Um, what they're taught, what they process. You know, so my kids' worldview is different um, than even mine. And and there's several reasons for that. By the way, my kids aren't here. You're not, you know, okay, so fathers, you're going to appreciate this, dads. My, my, my son, this morning, I'm like, I always give him the option when I speak, because they've heard me speak hundreds of times all over the world, and they kind of like, and plus I, I run the message over them for over a month, so I think, I think they're done with this. They're like, Dad, just spit it out and get it done. My, my, my son this morning, I said, are you going to come this morning? No, and he goes, first off, he goes, happy Father's Day. I was like, hey, thanks. And he's like, we got your present, what? Uh, we thought we wouldn't come to church with you today. Okay, thanks, Why? Well, we'd spare you the hackling that we would, or the heckling that we would give you. I was like, 
I love you. <laughs> My son. I'm going to love him. <laughs> but yeah, kids are great with that. But his worldview is much different than mine. And that's because of where he grew up as well. And what he saw. And what he's experienced. Um, these are very complicated questions for us as a, as a church to go through. Some of these are good things, by the way. Some things that um, God has placed in cultures is great. Um, you know, America has a very interesting background. And in, in it's it was formed by a bunch of people that was trying to escape uh, religious persecution. And they wanted freedom to isolate themselves completely from sin. Okay, You guys call them the pilgrims. They're actually called the Puritans. Um, they're a movement that came out of England. And they came here for one reason, to escape. To escape, well, and they have the freedom to start and live pure lives. They're kind of like, you know how we always laugh, we thought the pilgrims always wore black hats and clothes. That's just how they dressed. But if you didn't notice, the rest of the world wasn't dressing like that. It was like, it, it was literally, um, we want to dress just black and white. We wanted no colors in our clothes. By the way, we have a culture still inside America like that, the Amish. No buttons, none of this. You know, there was all very pure on how they would dress and how they would talk. And, and they wanted to set themselves aside for God. And they traveled all across the ocean, made this perilous journey, just so that they could get here to form a colony that was based upon God. Um, I, I kind of wonder what they would say now, hey? Anyways, that, that's another conviction that I won't want to go into. Um, their worldview is a lot different than what it, this is now. What their dream was and what we were trying to accomplish. What you grew up around is going to directly in fact, impact how you believe God. What you think. Now, there's a parable in the Bible. Everybody know what parables are? Like little stories. Um, they are stories. Most of them are made up, by the way. Some of them are, are Old Testament stories that Jesus changes. Yeah, by the way. And, and everybody says, don't change the scripture. Oh, really? Uh, anyways, um, somebody did it. Um, by the way, this, why Jesus told in stories, culture could not understand anything but stories. It's an oral culture, by the way. The Bible wasn't written, you know that? Right? Most of it was transmitted by oral tradition. There were scrolls inside the temple, but the average person never ever saw one sat and listened. Why do you think they went to the temple to hear the stories? And they passed them on. So, um, these are very oral people. They talk and he tells stories to you and lets you in. Now, there's a parable in there. And, it, and everybody knows this one. Pretty much everybody. Um, the prodigal son. Everybody know that one? You know, kid gets rebellious, takes off from home, demands a bunch of money from dad for inheritance, and finds out life is hard, and comes back. And is welcomed and received. Okay. So, you ask that question to an American. What, what do you get from that parable? When you read that, what, what points stand out to you in that story? Does anybody have anything? I told you, I'm doing questions even today. I'm willing to open it up and say, what, what, what do we see as a body in here? What, is, what do you see when you read that parable? Forgiveness? Okay. Love a father. Yeah. How many people talk about the money? Yeah, some people. That, by the way, the Jews, they really get pissed about that one. They do. But why? Why do you think so? 
Well, first off, yeah, he wants his dad died. He doesn't care. He actually wishes it, wishes you were dead and want the money. That's why uh, it's the only reason you would ask for your inheritance. But number two is that goes against tradition. Why? He's not the oldest son. He doesn't deserve anything according to Jewish tradition. How dare he ask for it? Okay, so right there, it's already causing the Jews some issues. Americans look at the fact that acceptance back after they blow it. Okay, most Americans, when you talk about it, forgiveness is the first thing they say. Man, it's so good. Even after I blow it and waste all this money, I'm accepted back. Oh, well, that's not our culture at all. Um, so that's, that's, that's one of the big things that stick out to Americans. You know, I asked this question to a Russian group one time. Famine. Thought about that for a minute, and they go, don't you understand what it's like to be hungry? Because see, that story has this huge thing about the economy plummeting. This giant famine raking the whole land. You know, the whole background of this story is why he ended up where he was, was this giant famine. To us, it never sticks out. It doesn't mean anything to us. Because my worldview is, I've never been through a famine. To a Russian, it was devastating. You know, and these were people that had lived through the last part of World War II and understood what it was like to live through everything being burnt, all your food, your crops, everything, and then having to rebuild. And I thought about that. I was like, hmm, worldview. How I interpret the scripture is based off of where God has put me in the world. Now, it's not a bad thing. Like I said, God made us. He made this place. Where danger comes is when we try to Make the scriptures fit us. It's when we take them and say, this is what I believe because what I've seen around me. And aren't we doing that nowadays? I see this, so I accept it. Because that's a loving way to do it. It's everything from marriage. We're seeing it being corrupted and saying, this is how marriage works and this is what it is. And these are hard topics to talk about. Um, you know, I, I love John's, uh, I think this was last winter, when he said, I wish people would t- quit talking about gay marriage and how, how this is infecting us and how it's causing problems. Why don't we just talk about the marriage? Why don't we just like focus, go through all that and just say marriage? What is that about? And I think that's what happens. Our worldview gets so messed up and we start looking off on all these different tangents, we forget what the actual scripture says. And that's where I say worldview is good to the point. But we have a different view. Why? Because we are now in a different world view. God, we are part of a family, a kingdom, that is completely different than the rest of the world. He said we are aliens and strangers in this place. Why do you think he said that? He knew we weren't going to belong. Our ideas changed when we changed through the Spirit. And so the way we look at the world is very, very different. America, we've become very comfortable in it. We, we, we don't like to talk about the hard parts about it. Um, and it's hard for me to talk about it because it's not your fault in some of it. See, this is the hard part of a worldview is you grew up in it. It's not your fault that you get to come to a church and not be persecuted before it. Okay? That's not your fault. You shouldn't feel guilty about it. It's a, it is a great gift. Okay? Um, but it doesn't mean you should slack on it. It doesn't mean you sit back and say, oh, thank you, i got comfortable chairs to sit down and praise God now. Oh, it's summertime, I'm not really into church for the summer. It doesn't mean we slack on it. 
it doesn't give us the right or the freedom to say, okay, God's given us this gift, this amazing gift through a bunch of people that, first off, made a huge sacrifice to come to a country to pioneer it because they believed in God and wanted a place to be able to establish their faith. Okay, it doesn't give us the right to walk away and say, hey, I don't want to come to church, or I don't believe this, or I don't want to deal with my sin. I'm comfortable with it. It doesn't give us that right, by the way. Americans are very comfortable in this now. And we don't like to talk about it. We don't like to talk about things about finances. We hate that one. You know, we talk about here, I love it, we talk about um, tithing and everything. Faith in finance is a whole nother ballgame. Talks about giving till it hurts. Giving till when you don't know when your next meal is. Is that wrong? No. Matter of fact, God said, why worry about it? He said, if you do it because of me or through my leading, by the way, it's all heart issues, you don't have to worry about it. God will take care of you. And if you feel like the Holy Spirit's telling you to do something, do it. Walk it out. I love my daughter because she has no fear of man. And sometimes I'm like, good Lord, girl, you are going to get in so much trouble one day. I mean, if I was to give her, say, okay, here's the message, hun, say it. You, most of you walk out of the church offended. Uh, she does, there is no, this is like black and white and it's done, honey. And she's, yeah. But for her, it's very clear. If this is what God says, do it, dad. And I'm like, but, but there's no buts. This is our, our worldview doesn't have to be, oh, you know, I don't want to offend this person. I don't want to say this. We've gotten this way with what's happening around our society. Haven't we? We don't like to say it, you know? Like, I, I think, like I said, I don't, wanna, I don't get political up here because it's not a place I don't think um, yet. But one thing I, I was very thankful of is I was hoping at the last election I actually said, oh, because everybody was worried uh, that um, welfare was going to get abolished. I was so excited. Everybody's like, what? I said, because the church gets to be the church for once. The church was always meant to help the poor. To show them how to get out of poverty. To, to teach them to grow. Not, not another entity. We just shuffled off our, our responsibility of the church to a government. We got lazy to what happened. We wanted somebody else to take care of it. You know, me and John were just talking the other day. Is that, that in the Bible, see, there is a part where they cut out the corners of the... When you, when you ever have a farmer, whenever you plow a field, you can never get to a corner. I don't know why they made fields square. You can't get to the corners. It's impossible. It doesn't matter what plow you use. Trust me, we've, I grew up on a farm. There's no hope. And you got this little section, and it's always like, by the way, it always grows the best. It just annoys you. Because you're like, Ugh! In the Bible, it says, don't cut it. Don't go back and cut that. Leave it for the poor. Let them go and gather it. What does that mean? Give the poor an opportunity to work to feed themselves. We don't like to talk about it. We just give off our responsibility as the church. It's hard. This means we have to disciple. It means we have to get dirty. We have to get involved in people's lives. We have to stand up for what we believe and rethink it. Why do I think the way I think? You know, and that's a tough one, by the way. There are things we do in the church that we, um, we can't really understand why we do it. Francis Chang uh, wrote a book, and I can't remember which one it's in. It's either, I think it's Forgotten God. And he made a statement like this. It says, if you were on, a, on an island, and I would gather it's a tropical one, so you have food and lush vegetation. <laughs> I'm not the desert island guy. Um, and you were left there, 
And you don't know when you're going to get rescued, nothing. And all that you were left with was a Bible. And trust me, I've been in environments where there is absolutely no humans or no nothing. You will get to the point of boredom where you will study that sucker till it's, you know, there's no pages left in it. You read that thing, and let's say five years later, you're rescued from the island. Now we'll assume that you actually, prior to reading that, had no exposure to uh, Christianity, which, believe it or not, North America is becoming more and more common. Um, when you read that, you read that Bible through and through, and you walk into a church for the first time because you know that's where Christians gather, would you be able to correlate what you read in that book with what you see in that church? I don't know. It's a hard one. And I, I pastored a church for five years almost. And I would think that if I was that person and walked in there, I don't think you would have correlated it. And it made me rethink what I saw and what I said and what I did. I don't know. I think it's a point that, and by the way, it's not about John or Karen. You know, when we think about the church, we're all oh, the pastor. I don't know how we got to that stage either, by the way. It's nothing that, you know, they're fulfilling what their spiritual gifting is inside this body of believers. That's it. Okay, they have been given this spiritual gift. They're acting it out according to what they know, the best that God has given them, the ability to. The church is all of us, and we have to walk this out. So the reflection of the church in the community isn't from them. It's from us, what people see. It's not easy to realize that when people look at Christianity, they see me. Oh, boy. That's a, yeah, that's not good news, is it? Um, okay. Um, Paul ran into the same thing. I got to get to at least one scripture here that makes sense. In Galatians 2.14. Uh, Paul had this big argument going on at the time where he was um, coming back to Jerusalem. And he had uh, Barnabas and um, actually there were several others that were listed in this group that came back. And basically, uh, Paul was kind of nervous that the scripture he was preaching, the gospel he was preaching wasn't right. And, and I don't blame him, because there's sometimes where I go, did I get this right? I totally can relate sometimes. Um, and he comes back, and this whole argument starts between, it was actually Pharisees that had become, who had become Christians, by the way. And they still referred to themselves as Pharisees. I love that when it was in the Bible. I was like, wait a second, why is that still listed in there? They liked that title even inside the church. So I thought that was interesting. Um, here they are in there. They start bringing up issues. And they say, well, they have to be circumcised. Okay. And then Paul um, brings up this part, and I love it. And, it. and I'll just kind of go to where he goes. If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force a Gentile to live like a Jew? What he's saying is, how can you be like them? How can you ask them to be like you? And what he's trying to tell them is, you're a Jew living like a Gentile. Why did he make that statement? You no longer are a Jew. You're born as a new believer. You've now left that behind. How can you go back now? Because you cannot live like that anymore. How can you force somebody else to live like a Jew? Now, this argument became like a thing over uh, circumcision, but it really came down to more than that. It came down to the whole, why are you trying to force somebody to be somebody else? This is when you can see the Holy Spirit come upon the rest of the apostles and go, you're right, you should go to the Gentiles. 
and we'll stick with the Jews. First off, you've got to remember, Paul was a Jew. And so for him to actually have to rewrite his whole worldview and go off to a whole different nations, by the way, like Crete, by the way, was just, it's a, like when you read about what Crete was like and how he got over there, Titus, I love him. And I can't imagine that episode when he got left behind. I was like, here, you deal with all these guys, okay? I got to go. I was like, ooh. I was like, yeah, poor guy. Uh, great book, by the way. That's one of my favorites. You can't become like somebody else. God didn't ask you to. It's one of the first things I had to learn working with cultures that had faith in other gods and hated Christians. First thing I had to tell them is, I don't want you to become. Because see, when the rest of the world looks at a Christian, they look at a white American. It's the first thing they, re, re, they see. Well, why? Now, this is hilarious, by the way. This, is, this happened in the early 2000s. I remember going to a place and asking somebody, and uh, they're watching Baywatch. Okay, and I'm like, what? And they're like, well, they're all Christians. I'm like, how do you get that? How do I get Christians from Baywatch, right? And I'm going like, okay, this is like, and you know, like everything that, I didn't even watch the show, so I didn't even know what was it about or happening. So I'm kind of like confused trying to talk to this guy. And he goes, see, she's a Christian. Pamela Anderson during that whole filming, guess what she wore around her neck? I had no idea. It's a cross. There's a cross hung around her neck. Never thought of it. No idea. So, me either. I never watched it. So I was like, huh. First thing they said, she's a Christian. Hmm, how do I explain this episode? You know, it's not easy. I've had to go to them and say, well, I don't want you to become like me. You're like, what? No, you're right. There's a lot of issues with me. Trust me. I don't want you to be like this. I always ask them, how do you want to, how, what, what's your goal in life? It's funny with dealing with people who are actually, they want to, they want to get somewhere. I'm like, well, most other religions, it's always a heaven. And I'm like, yeah, me too. That, that I, I want to get there. Paul had the same issue. He goes to, goes to him. Hey, I don't want you to become, I don't want to become a Gentile. You don't want to become a Jew. I just want to get to heaven. How do we get there? It's the same thing. I don't need to convert cultures. I don't need to change people's cultures. Now, there are things in there that are wrong. I'll let the Holy Spirit deal with that. Okay? That, that's, that's God's issue, not mine. I don't need to change their cultures. If there's something that needs to be changed, Jesus will deal with it. I need to disciple people who the Holy Spirit have called to be part of my family. That was it. That's all he asked us to do. It's not going to look the same. And there's going to be sacrifices. Not all of you are meant to make the same sacrifices. That's okay, by the way. Don't feel guilty. I always talk to people and say, well, I live in this wealthy, affluent nation. You do. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to build your own kingdom? Or are you going to help Father do what he asked you to do? I don't know where we went wrong. I honestly, I remember not long ago, coming to churches for Bible studies, and it would be as busy as it was on Sunday. I remember going to, to morning service and, after, and evening service at church. People are like, well, that was kind of legalistic. Nobody there went there because they were required. They went there because they wanted it. They wanted God. They wanted something more. 
and they loved it. What happened to that? I miss it a lot. You know, I, I, I miss that. Um, I'm going to play a video. This is a church I planted in, um, yeah, my normal job. Um, it's a church I planted in um, another country. And church service is a little different. And I, this is weird for me, by the way. And I, I told John this. I've never taken a picture of anyone who I've ever worked with in the field, ever. I've never taken a video. It is just too risky for me, um, for them, for me, and everybody else. And so I, I came, I don't know what possessed me to do it one day, but I did it, and I'm thankful because it's the only representation I have of church. Um, this group of people, we get together um, every evening, um, six times a week. Um, we take Saturdays off together, and yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. They love it. They look forward every day to going out. And I, I actually think some of this has to do with um, our materialism and what we've gone to pleasure and comfort. Uh, and they've eliminated that and looked towards God. So I'm going to play this video because this, this always makes me laugh. Because you guys think church in most parts of the world is like this kind of gloomy. This is what you call the underground church, by the way. If anybody refers to the underground church, a couple of these guys right now, the three in the back row... The one in the middle is still in prison right now, and I'm trying to find out how I can get him out, and it's been almost two months right now. And uh, in, I don't know if, I'm gonna, if we're ever going to see him again, but he, he'll be quite happy about it. Um, the guy on this side that's kind of got his head down and shrunk, it took me a while to understand why. He always has a smile when he looks up his head and stuff. He was getting beaten every night by his parents. He's about 20. And family in most cultures still means a lot more than it does here. And he would never disrespect his parents by leaving. He would take the beatings. His body was just beaten and bruised every night. And he would show up and he would just worship and have fun and listen. And I'm like, why do you keep coming to this thing? Because he loved God and he wanted to walk that out. There was a cost to it for him, a big cost. He didn't care. And, and so those, two, those guys are some of my heroes. But you think church is like gloomy with all those kind of stories and stuff? It's anything but. So I'm going to play this video. It's like just a minute or so. All right. They're talking about the goodness and the holiness and the, um, yeah, the greatness of God. In that place to me, there is over 40 people crammed in that room. By the way, that's their house. So I'm sitting on their bed because um, they give me the place of honor always. And I'm like, here, Justin. I'm like, I don't need to sit on your bed. There's over 40 people crammed into a room that's about the size of the guy's bathroom. This thing is like tight, man. You're just sweating too. That's not exactly a cold culture. Everybody's just sweating away. We're all like, yeah, like what are we doing in here? Singing and praising God. All the children are in there. The kids. There's no nurseries. There's no nothing. We just go for it. We gather together. We worship God and we praise him for what he's done. It was easy. I couldn't believe the sacrifices they would make to do it. One guy in the corner that was sitting there, his arm was broken actually during that. And, and I went to him. The church decided that they were going to do 40 days of prayer and fasting. And I was like, where did you get that from? Well, the Bible. Okay, that's cool. At least you found that there. Um, and they were talking about it. And they, they told me, I go, well, what happened to your arm? Well, we were moving a, a boulder off a field because they were farmers. And it rolled back and crushed his arm. And I was like, oh. And he was like, you know. And he's like, oh, luckily it's just broken. It wasn't crushed bad. And, and so I can't work. And I'm like, oh, geez, I'm worried about his family because they grow food and everything. And he goes, 
And I'm like, what are you going to do? And he goes, what are you talking about, Justin? I'm like, what are you going to do, man? Your arm's broke. Do you need help? Like, you know, you know, you only have one son. And, and he goes, no, we got 40 days of prayer of fasting. I'm not eating this month. <laughs> My faith, this changes every time I'm around them. I'm going, why am I so comfortable with mine? And they read the scripture because a lot of these, and I, I, it's very difficult for me, by the way. I have to protect them from Western Christianity, which is me. I have to take my own worldview off and say, no, it's okay if you meet every day of the week and have church. There's nothing that says you can't. There's not, uh, um, there's not you know, there's no, you don't have to pray before you start the service. You can pray in the middle. You don't have to, there's no order of service that I was taught in Bible college. There isn't. You can just go for it. Just go for it. See what God leads. Um, one of the greatest things was tithing. You'd love this one. So, so uh, the farmers would do a basket. Some people would put money in and stuff. And I'd walk in. I'm like, what the world is up in the front of the church today? Like, and you saw how big it is. It's like all piled, actually, where I was sitting. It's a whole bunch of rice, vegetables, and stuff. And I'm like, what is all this? 10%. What? Not just of the money, but of what they grew. They said, well, we're supposed to give it to the poor and the hungry. And the church can figure out where those are the best, and we'll just bring it in. What happened to us? What, where did we start to say, no, I don't need to do that? I'm not meant to convict you, by the way, or condemn you here. That's the conviction is the Holy Spirit's right only, not mine. What I want to ask is where are you with your own walk with this? Have you become comfortable in your faith? That you sit back and you, this is how it is in America. We just go to church on Sunday. We sit in comfortable chairs. We worship. And we don't like the worship. We just go find another church, by the way. And uh, that was one of the rare cultures, by the way, that uses music. And I don't understand the language because they sing so fast. I can understand it, but I can't catch what they're saying. Have you ever entered worship in another language? By the way, those especially who have come right from Africa, worship's a little different, isn't it here? Yeah. Now, how do you accept? You got to learn how to worship God in the culture around you and still be able to say, I don't care, God. I can still worship you here. Worshiping in a country that doesn't have music, where music has never been. How, how do you worship? Um, these are all hard questions. Now, my kids don't have a worldview like I do. You know, my son grew up in, uh, that's the village where we used to live. Um, so, and he would go out in these walks with my wife and stuff, and his entire viewpoints on things don't line up with, with uh, what an American kid does. He has a, quite a different idea, especially when it comes to what you eat and what you drink and, you know, whether or not it's been on the ground for a couple of days or whatever. You, still, you know, it's like, you know, you know, and anybody who has parents will understand that. And Brianna especially, my daughter, she doesn't, even though she's born in Montrose, she has no identifier of an American. She cannot identify her as an American. She grew up with a culture and a worldview that's completely different. And even for me, I have a hard time relating to her sometimes because she, her worldview on some subjects are just completely opposite of mine. And I'm in the same family. And, and it was just a weird experience. But we reconcile that through the Bible. We reconcile how the cultures fit together and how they are. And now everybody always asks me, you know, this is kind of wrapping this up, is where I am always in these pictures. And I'm either in prison or like that. 
Um, <laughs> drugged out sick usually, laying in bed somewhere. That's the joys of my job. Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't know what I had that time. Um, Shirley, of course, had to document everything. It's like, here, take a picture of you enjoying your life. Thanks, thanks, hon. Um, <laughs> but there is a cost to it. There's a cost to all of this. There's a cost to being comfortable too, by the way. The cost is that you become lukewarm in someone's mouth. And that you can be spit out. The cost is that you can be so comfortable in your own faith here in North America that God will hold you to account on what you've done with what he's given you. That scares me, my, my own faith. I look at it and say, God, am I doing enough? You've asked me to do this. How? How can I do it? Fear is always the biggest crippler. And I love that first part today when we talked about peace. Fear takes that all away. Destroys your peace in God. And that peace of knowing that you're supposed to do something comes, do it. Don't even question. Get up and do it. Live it. I would challenge you all this year, like I said, to spend more time in prayer and worship and reading, but then doing something with it too. Ask God. Challenge Him. By the way, I love when people say, hey, God, I see this in the Bible. I want to do it. Let's do it together. Push them. You don't think he just open-armed and said, yeah, I'll walk this out with you. I remember surely one time my wife goes to God, you are such a generous and giving God. I want to give as much as you do. So she challenged God that she would give everything that he gave to her that year. Everything. Every dollar that came in went out. You have to have a lot of faith to know that your food, your clothes, and everything else is going to be taken care of. Yeah, that was like the year before we got married. And I was like, yep, that's my wife. <laughs> I knew this. It was like, I knew that that's the person. Because she believed God the same way I did. I want to see his greatness reign throughout this world. I want to see him transform this community and flourish throughout this nation and throughout the world. But the only way that can happen is by us to take the worldview of the kingdom of heaven and make a transformation. It's not easy. There are things that you're going to have to lay down and sacrifice, and there are changes you're going to have to make. But we were once in that point here, and somehow we got away from it in this nation. I challenge you to pick it back up as a church and say, this is what I want, God. I want to be in a small church, Worshiping God, I don't care if there's chairs, I don't care if there's anything. I want you and your presence in my life. And I want to be not just filled with joy, I want to be overflowing with it. So the rest of the world asks me, why do you have joy in your life? That's what I want to see. And I think we as a nation have become just so wrapped up in ourselves. And what we want is comfort. That we've forgotten what it's like. We've forgotten about the kingdom of heaven and what's important to him. So this year, I just challenge you as a church, let's just, let's just stand up and worship God and just press into what he has. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we're going to have to make some really dumb sacrifices, and sometimes we're going to have to make sacrifices that are going to hurt. Pray for them. Pray for things that you'll be challenged with. And before I just shut, because I'm already off, um, God did that to me quite a few years ago. Four, there's almost five now. Good Lord, he's getting older. Um, that's my son, Udaya. Uh, that was his 
birth mom, and of course Shirley, and then she's just growing her hair back because we just finished chemo at that point too. Um, God asked me to make a, a, this orphan child that was about to become orphaned, um, asked me to take in a child. And I was like, why not? You know, why, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I help? Why wouldn't I get up and take on another life? And what would Jesus have done anyways? And it's kind of by the way, the cliche, I, I hate the fact that I love it now. <laughs> what would Jesus do? <laughs> when I was young, I hated it. Now I'm like, dang it, I live my life by that. Um, <laughs> literally asked that question to God. What would Jesus have done? And, and this kid has just like been so much joy and help. And it, both, both his moms have died now. So it's been a hard, hard thing for him to reconcile and to keep on walking. And, and, and now he's getting older and happier. And yeah, that's my little guy. He's so much fun. And... Um, yeah, <laughs> I know. See, this is a hat. He can't, you know, he's got his camp for hat always. Um, <laughs> that's in Nepal. Anyways, um, <laughs> so he's, um, he's, he's, he's a joy and my kids love him. But he's been such a blessing and I've been able to work in communities that I never dreamed I'd have an opportunity to. Trust me, it's not easy taking on a child in the middle of your wife's in chemo. You're, 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 you've got an, you got another sick family member. I'm already taking two my wife and two kids full time. Then I get another kid. I'm like, everybody's like, you're nuts. I had so many pastors tell me I was insane on this one. And I, I just looked at it and I was like, maybe. But it's what God would have done and what he's asking me to do. So I'm going to do it. And it's such a blessing doing it. So I want you to know there are sacrifices and you might have to make them. But there's a blessing in it. It's joyful. I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world, by the way. It was, it's the greatest experience I've had, and my kids would say the same thing. So risking and stepping out isn't gloom, okay? There are sacrifices. Just know there's a blessing in it. All right, I'm going to finish way, way over. So, Father, I just want to pray right now and make some sense of what I said. Um, Lord, I also want to soften people's hearts to, to your voice right now as you are asking us as a church to do things to walk out in our communities and be the church. Father, I ask for boldness from everyone in here and acceptance and just say, Lord, I will walk out whatever you ask me to. And Lord, to let them know they're not on their own, that you're with them, but also the body of Christ right here is here to support them. So Father, I just pray now that this will transform a nation, a community, and the world. And I thank you so much for this place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thanks, Justin. You guys want to give Justin a hand? Thank you. All right. Well, he already prayed, so let's stand up. And on the count of three, we will say, Jesus is Lord of the Gunnison Basin and the world view. No. <laughs> and uh, you guys can be dismissed. All right. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord of the Gunnison Basin and the world. All right. Go get some snacks and love on each other. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.